This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. So this weekend, if you haven't figured it by now, we're going to be thinking about Psalm 46. Good, Psalm 46. We are going to marinate in the psalm. We will be reading it and saying it and singing it and meditating on it and expounding it. I hope that by the end of our time together this weekend that you will know and love this psalm in new ways and that it will be something that you will treasure for the rest of your lives. The psalm has a title in it in, in some of your Bibles. It just says, A Song. And this weekend, we're going to have plenty of opportunities to sing this psalm together. We've already sung two versions of it tonight. Singing is so important. Whether you are a great singer or you can barely hold a tune, whether you have to learn to sing in order to ask out a girl, uh, you can always have an appreciation, I hope, for singing and for music. You can be a good listener, a good appreciator, and guess what? You can always make a joyful noise to the Lord. That's a good godly thing to do. But I wonder, why is singing so important in the church? And I'd like some of our younger uh, crowd to answer why singing might be a good thing. Anybody want to hazard a guess? Why? We do a lot of singing. What's so special about singing? Caleb. Yes. Now, Caleb's daddy and mummy do a lot of singing, but let's see if Caleb knows why singing's a good idea. Singing is for singing to God. Yes. Uh, Other ideas? Let's ask Nathan. It's like praising God in a different way. Yes, it is. Praising God in a different way. Anybody else know why singing might be a really good thing to do? And, And I'll take answers from people of any age. Whether you're eight or 80, Bishop? Oh, no, you're not quite 80. It's all right. Um, oh, I'm guessing the evil eye now. Okay, well, oh, we've got, we've got the Bishop's going to answer. Fantastic. <laughs> I might be in trouble. We do it together. Yeah, we do. Oh, Rachel's got something. Thank you, Rachel. Was that your hand up? Yes, thank you. I was singing. Sometimes a lot. She likes to sing. Yeah. I like to Yeah. It is, yeah, I, I like singing too. It's great. You know, singing is very interesting because, as we've heard, we can sing to God, we can sing together. And, you know, sometimes uh, it's a great way to learn things. Anyone learn their ABCs by singing? Yeah? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Is that the one you learned? Yeah, well, let's sing it together then. Come on. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. M, N, O, P. Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Oh. <laughs> now we know our ABCs. Very good. So we can, it helps us sing. And do you know, lots of people learn about God by singing. In fact, I wonder whether... Most people's theology is primarily comes from what they sing, which is why it's important about what we sing. Because you see, if we only sing 
I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, which is a good thing to sing. But if that's all we sing, well, we would have a bit of a stunted growth. And if we only sung great hymns that would describe the creeds and our beliefs, then we'd be losing out there too. And it's interesting how important this is. St. Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, writes this. He says, be careful... I don't need this, do I? Right. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And now listen to this next bit. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Singing is a really good thing for us to do. Well, in Psalm 46 and on the back of your retreat guide, you will notice, as I've already pointed out earlier, this little word, selah. Selah, that's, that's all we're going to talk about now for the, the talk tonight. It's going to be on one word. Tomorrow we're going to get into the rest of the psalm, but I didn't want you to miss this word because it's an important word. It's often thought to mean an interlude or break or intermission, maybe for music or meditation or when a psalm might be used in public worship like we just did and we just had a little break. It may have had significance for the choir directors or the singers in the choir, or maybe it had something to do with the musical accompaniment for things. It's also possible that it might have referred to a different sort of interlude, perhaps to give space for the reading of related scripture. Indeed, we're going to be doing that this weekend at various points as we dig into Psalm 46 because we will see that Psalm 46 is full of themes and pictures and imagery that we find in lots of other places in the Bible. So we're going to take a little break and look at those. The word selah is used 71 times in the Psalms. Now, for those who are really into words, unlike math or maths, as we used to call it in England, about which I know very little, um, there is no clear etymology, or in other words, the kind of root for what this word really means, which is this is a little bit tricky. But scholars agree that perhaps the best, simplest, easiest translation of this Hebrew word selah is pause. Pause. And whether that pause is, and that's P-A-U-S-E, no W. Um, whether that pause is for a musical interlude, a time of silent reflection, or to consider some other scripture, it's a good word. And it's an important word for us to think about, particularly as we tend to go about our lives at breakneck speed. Well, we hope that this weekend, whatever else you may do, that you will pause. We're away from home. We're away from our normal routines. So make the most of this time. Now, of course, I know you may be tired 
or distracted. You may be burdened or anxious. It may have taken all kinds of Herculean effort to get here uh, tonight. And yet the invitation is to take a moment, take a few moments to practice Selah, Andrea. Here we go. Wow, this is a great view. Where's my camera when I need it? Uh, we are going to take a pause tonight and take a look at um, an activity that will help us concentrate, that will help us remember. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get going so fast that I can't remember what I did 12 hours ago. So we're going to take a pause, and in a moment, Jonathan and some others are going to help me distribute a piece of paper. But what we're going to do is do something called an examine, and it's based on an exercise that St. Ignatius did. And St. Ignatius uh, invites us to look over 24 hours, but tonight we're going to just take a micro-pause. We're just going to take 12 hours, and what we're going to do is think back to where we were this morning at 8 o'clock in the morning, and we're going to come all the way around to now. So 8 o'clock in the morning, what were you doing? I was on a conference call at 8 a.m., a Zoom call at 8 a.m. this morning. And then, what was I doing for the rest of the day? I'll fill that in, and you'll have a chart where you'll fill it in. 12 o'clock, Jonathan and I stopped for lunch, and we actually stopped for, what, about 45 minutes, which was pretty great. And then I got myself packed up. I didn't write that in there. And then what did I do at 2 o'clock? Those of you who are up here, can you see it? I drove. I drove to the retreat. That's what I did. Um, and then I, I need to fill in some more. 6 o'clock, here at the cookout, taking pictures. This is the very, the first step of doing the exam, and it's just looking at the 12 hours and saying, what did I do? Then you go around the clock again, and this time looking for places where we can give thanks to God. I want to give thanks to God that I had food in my refrigerator to put together a nice salad. I also want to give thanks that Jonathan didn't complain that I made another salad. <laughs> so that's what you do the second time around. And families, I'm going to give this to you, and you can do it as a family. What were you guys doing? Um, what can you give thanks to God for? And then you'll go around the clock another time, and you'll ask, where was I aware of God's presence? Was there a gift that God had for me during the day? Now, if you had a really challenging day, you might have to dig deep. <laughs> but it's there. God has always, is always with us. He's present with us. So I want you to go through and say, are there places where I noticed God? For example... Maybe when you came onto these grounds, you remembered other times you've been here where God has met you. Maybe as you were driving your car coming up here, maybe it was a near miss and you really felt God's protection. Whatever it is, you go around that time and you give, you, you notice where was God making himself available. The fourth and final time around, you'll take a look for where there are opportunities, invitations that God had extended to me 
but I went the other way. Is there something I need to confess? Did I, did I miss an opportunity because I was moving too fast or because I chose to close my heart? Go around again and confess to God. For some people, confession is a really hard thing to do, and for others, it's pretty easy. But this, doing it this way, we remember God's goodness to us. We remember that he companions with us. And so then it's easy to say to God, hey, listen, I'm sorry, I missed it. Please forgive me. So that's what we're going to do. We need some helpers. And families, you can do this at your table. You can do it together. What was the family doing? And if you're here, do it individually. And I'm going to um, invite you to take about five or six minutes. Now, this is the kind of thing you could take forever on, but uh, you could take it back to your room and work on it some more. But take a few minutes, go through it. The instructions are on the bottom of the page. And then we'll ask one or two of you... um, after a few minutes, what was that like? Sound good? Have at it. Okay. Well, from the, uh, from the chatter going on, it seems like you might have one or two things to say to one another about this exercise. One of the things that I think is great about doing this kind of an examine is that we stop to notice. We stop and notice and pause. And it's so easy to go through our day and just go from one thing to the next to the next without recognizing where is God at work. I know for me, when I went through it, you know how I have up here drive on the retreat? If I didn't stomp and do this exercise with you right now, I would have missed a gem that God gave me today. I had an amazing phone conversation with my sister, and in the middle of that, God was so present And had I not taken this moment to just really reflect on it, I would have missed it. So I commend this practice to you. If you're sitting in a waiting room someplace, maybe you're waiting for an airplane, maybe you're in a doctor's appointment, and you have some time, what a wonderful way to just stop, draw a little clock, and just look for God. Look for where he is working in our lives. It's a way to have a positive pause. There are more of these. If you want them at the end, you can take them. You're welcome to them. <laughs>